Hello, I'm Maria Titizian. And I'm Rubina Malvosian, and welcome to the Week in Review for the week of December 3. In the news, Deputy Prime Ministers of Armenia, Azerbaijan and Russia meet in Moscow. While in Stockholm participating in the 28th OSC Ministerial Council, Armenia's Foreign Minister meets with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Azerbaijani forces open fire near the village of Garmirshuga in Artsakh. The deputy prime ministers of Armenia, Azerbaijan and Russia met in Moscow on December 1 to discuss the November 26 trilateral agreement reached in Sochi last week between the leaders of the three countries. They were supposed to make a public statement, however no announcement was made. The office of Armenia's deputy prime minister Meher Gdikorian said on December 2 that the trilateral task force will meet again in the coming days and that an announcement will be made once the meetings have concluded. On November 30, Armenia's Foreign Ministry spokesperson Vahan Hunanyan made an announcement regarding that November 26 trilateral meeting uh, in Sochi. He stated that with the Sochi statement, the parties reaffirmed their obligation to coherent and unconditional implementation of all the provisions of the November 9 trilateral agreement, including the return of prisoners of war, hostages, and other detainees. According to Hunanyan, the Sochi statement once again reiterates the provision of unblocking all transport and economic infrastructures in the region enshrined in the January 11 agreement and once again refutes the Azerbaijani position on the so-called corridor or the corridor logic. And the word corridor was not used by Aliyev during the broadcast meeting with Putin as well as during the trilateral meeting, including Pashinyan. The statement published after the meeting also did not include the word corridor and Pashinyan had previously during his press conference said that the word corridor is never used during uh, meetings, uh, official meetings. Uh, the third clause that Foreign Affairs Ministry spokesperson noted was that an agreement was reached to undertake steps aimed at increasing the level of stability and security on the Armenian-Azerbaijani border. Following the trilateral meeting in Sochi, uh, the following day on November 27, Azerbaijan's foreign ministry made an announcement stating that the agreement adopted after the meeting in Sochi fully reflected the views of Baku. According to that statement, one of the most important points of the trilateral agreement was the opening of communication routes in the region as soon as possible, and Azerbaijan would pursue the realization of the November 26 uh, agreement. And however, on November 28, two days after the trilateral meeting in Sochi, Azerbaijan's president uh, spoke about the so-called Zangezur Corridor again, this time in Turkmenistan's capital, Ashgabat, where the summit of the Economic Cooperation Organization was taking place. He said that the Zangezur Corridor is becoming a reality and that the new transportation infrastructure will become an important part of the east-to-west and north-south communication well, routes. Well, it seems that Aliyev is, you know, using the word uh, with he thinks it's appropriate and not when he doesn't <laughs> when it uh, when he, he understands that it's not appropriate so yeah during the meetings so are they understanding transportation routes as corridors then he should you know say that during those trilateral meetings anyway um and speaking about um meetings armenia's minister of foreign affairs ararat mirzoyan uh, is in sweden participating in the 28th osc ministerial council and within the framework of his visit, Mirzoyan met with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Um, they discussed issues related to international and regional security and stability. In this context, Mirzoyan briefed Blinken on the situation resulting from the infiltration of Azerbaijani armed forces into the sovereign territory of Armenia, 
back in May of this year and the recent aggression against the territorial integrity of Armenia. In this regard, both Mirzoyan and Blinken underscored the importance of implementing steps towards uh, the de-escalation of the situation. The two also discussed the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. In the context of urgent humanitarian issues resulting from the 44-day war, the sides stressed the imperative of repatriating Armenian prisoners of war, hostages, and other detainees. The resumption of the peace process aimed at comprehensive and lasting settlement of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict under the mandate of the OSCE Men's Group co-chairmanship was also stressed. During his statement at the meeting of the uh, OSC Ministerial Council, Mirzoyan reiterated these ongoing issues and noted that the continued presence of Azerbaijani forces on the territory of Armenia is a destabilizing factor in the region, adding that the Armenian side is hopeful that the November 26th trilateral meeting organized by Russia will pave the way for undertaking certain measures towards de-escalation um, of the situation in the region. The ministerial working meeting of CSTO member states also took place in Stockholm. Mirzoyan presented to his colleagues the latest developments regarding regional security, stressing the need for Armenia's allies to make efforts aimed at de-escalating the situation in the region. Mirzoyan also held meetings with his Dutch, Greek, Croatian, Austrian and Estonian counterparts, as well as the Speaker of the Swedish Parliament. On December 1, Luke Devon, the EU Foreign Policy Director responsible for the Eastern Partnership, announced in the European Parliament that Arad Mirzoyan and Azerbaijani Foreign Minister Jehun Bayramov would also meet in Stockholm. However, as we are recording uh, this podcast, this meeting has not taken place yet and we have no information at the moment. And the human rights defender of Artsakh, Geram Stepanyan, reported that on December 2, at around 10 30 a.m., Azerbaijani armed forces opened fire in the direction of the village of Karmishuka in Artsakh, Smartuni region. The shooting, which lasted for 10-15 minutes, was heard in the residential areas of the community. There were no injuries reported. On the same day, Joseph Borel, the high representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, called on the parties of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict to respect the ceasefire during the OSCE Ministerial Council session. Well, they also said that you know there should be no wars during COVID, and that didn't happen either. On November 30, Armenia's Prime Minister Nigol Pashinyan met with EU Special Representative for the South Caucasus, Toivo Klar, in Yerevan. The parties discussed the agenda of the December 15 Brussels meeting, uh, which we are expecting to take place between Pashinyan and Aliyev. Uh, among other issues. After meeting with Pashinyan, Klar left for Baku, where he met Azerbaijan's president. According to Aliyev's uh, press service, Klar and the Azerbaijani president discussed the post-war situation in the region and the November tensions on the Armenia-Azerbaijan border. This past week, the European Court of Human Rights applied interim measures regarding four Armenian prisoners of war held by Azerbaijan. Human rights lawyers Artak Zeynalian and Siranu Sahakian had applied to the ECHR on November 22 regarding four soldiers captured after the November 16, 2021 Azerbaijani incursion, and they were expecting that the ECHR would indicate interim measures and appeal to Baku for information regarding the captives. One of the captives was returned to Armenia on November 26. This was prior to the trilateral meeting between the Armenian, Azerbaijani, and Russian leaders. This week, Armenia's human rights defender, Arman Tatoyan, initiated a fact-finding trip to Sunik to get acquainted with the situation of residents who have been cut off from the regional capital, Gapan, 
because of the Azerbaijani checkpoints that have been now placed on the Gorizgapan Highway and the Gapan Jakaten Road uh, earlier in November. Tatoyan and his team reported that the deployment of armed Azerbaijani servicemen, their fortifications in the immediate vicinity of Armenian villages and on the roads between communities are disrupting the normal life of people, creating a humanitarian crisis for the population, especially those living in border communities. According to Tatoyan, houses and roads connecting the communities are in the direct line of Azerbaijani fire. The water supply for some families has been cut off, and people who traveled for work to Gapan have been deprived of the opportunity to do so. Villagers are also not able to sell their products to other villages. The normal operation of several schools has been disrupted, as teachers and students alike cannot even get to their schools. It is not possible to, you know, even organize online teaching, nor has it been possible to organize the normal movement of the children through uh, an alternative road that exists. Some roads connecting the communities are only passable for small vehicles or off-road vehicles, and some will be closed um, during heavy snowfall. According to Tatoyan, under these circumstances... The human rights of those living in the villages are being gravely violated, and the solution is clear. There should not be Azerbaijani forces, armed or unarmed, in the vicinity of the communities or villages and on the roads connecting them. And uh, something he's been saying from the very first day is that a security zone has to be created. Also today, a 65-year-old resident from Artsakh Smartuni region got lost and crossed into territory under the control of Azerbaijani armed forces and was detained. The Russian peacekeepers were notified about the incident and negotiations are underway to return the citizen of Artsakh to Armenia. On November 30, the Parliamentary Investigative Commission formed to investigate the transfer of funds by the All-Armenia Fund to the government during the war has started its uh, preparatory work. The commission was formed on the initiative of the opposition factions and consists of 11 members. Three of them are from the Opposition Armenia Alliance, one from the I Have Honor Alliance, and seven from the ruling civil contract uh, faction. Um, so the assumption is that in the coming weeks, they will start doing um, you know, more in-depth investigation to see where the $100 million, how it was spent by the government. This week, a new 250-megawatt thermal power plant was opened in Yerevan. The new thermal power plant will be able to provide 20 to 25 percent of the electricity consumption in Armenia. The project, which cost 280 million euros, was funded by the Italian Renko Company and Italy's state export credit agencies, say CMEST and other private investors. 211 new 8.6-meter-long buses will become operational on Yerevan's streets very soon. The buses can accommodate up to 60 passengers. There's uh, seats for 22 people and enough for 38 people to stand. They are uh, specially equipped for people with disabilities and for strollers. The buses will also have an electronic payment system and passengers will be able to pay with credit cards, special bus cards, which will be issued by the municipality with their phones as well as by cash. And the price of water will go up by 28 drums in 2022. Violia Jur, the subsidiary of the French utilities company Violia, had applied to Armenia's Public Service Regulatory Commission to increase the cost of water by 11%, citing inflation and rising costs of electricity. Low-income families will continue to pay 180 drums per one cubic meter of water, while remaining customers pay just over 200 drums. And in other news, on November 29, Australia's federal parliament's House of Representatives unanimously voted in favor of a motion calling on the Australian government to recognize the Armenian, Assyrian, and Greek genocides.
And now back to Armenia and Yerevan. Yerevan will have a Christmas tree this year. However, the rest of the city will not be lit with traditional Christmas decorations and there will be no fireworks. Last year, after the 44-day war, the municipality had decided not to decorate the city. This year, Christmas trees, however, will be placed in Republic Square as well as in different parts of the city. Holiday events will be organized uh, by the city, but for children. Last year, we didn't even have, uh, have the Christmas at Republic Square. And now to COVID updates for the week. The number of daily infections continues to fall with an average of 6% positive tests this week. The number of deaths has also fallen to 185 this week compared to 247 from last week. And the Armenian government is also taking new measures to prevent the spread of the virus and boost the vaccination process. As of December 1, unvaccinated employees will have to present negative COVID tests every week instead of every two weeks. That was the case priorly. The health ministry has has also drafted a bill according to which people will have to present proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test for entering cafes, restaurants, concert halls, and other entertainment spaces. The vaccination process still continues. 21% of the population over 18 years of age has been fully vaccinated, and over 39% have already received the first dose. The Minister of Health also announced that people who have received their second dose of vaccine six months ago are eligible to receive a booster shot. And that's the kind of week it's been here in Armenia. Excuse my voice. (laughs) Have a great weekend and we'll be back again next week.